The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. We wanted to start the show today talking about homegrown extremism. We've seen it grow over the past number of years right here in Alberta and across Canada and in the U.S. The latest case to be foiled was in Michigan yesterday where federal agents and state officials announced that they had thwarted a plot by a militia group to kidnap the governor of Michigan and violently overthrow state governments. The FBI announced it had arrested six men in connection with the alleged conspiracy. Seven other men were arrested on terror-related charges at the state level. The seven suspects also allegedly tried to identify police officers' homes in order to target and threaten them to instigate a civil war. Dr. John McCoy is an expert in homegrown violent extremism and a terrorism studies professor at the University of Alberta. Dr. McCoy, welcome back to the show. Hi, Jalen. You must be watching what uh, has been unfolding in Michigan very closely. Tell us your thoughts on on what you've you've been seeing, what you've been hearing, what you've been learning. Well, on on one level, I guess I'm surprised by the the significance and the scale of this plot. But on the other hand, given the sort of political climate that exists in the United States at the moment and everything that's going on with the pandemic and the civil unrest that we've seen over the past months, I think it's it's less surprising in that context because we really have uh, a very established anti-government movement in Michigan and throughout the United States. And this is something that I think, um, you know, we've seen these kind of plots previously coming from these movements. And with that in mind, then it's uh, it's a little less surprising, even though the scale of it is um, is, is something. So you said we have a fairly established anti-government movement in the U.S. and in Michigan. So what does that mean moving forward in the months and and even years years ahead? I know you don't have a crystal ball, but um, if if you were to 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 look at this, what would you say this? Yeah. You know, what does this foreshadow, or does it? Well, it's it's a it's a long-standing trend, I think, and, and an increasingly sort of popular view amongst many Americans that have very little trust in their government. You know, we we've, we've seen these kind of anti-government beliefs just growing in the United States, even going back to the Vietnam War I mean, during the uh, the administration of Lyndon B. Johnson around the Vietnam War. You had about 80% of Americans had faith in their government. Today, that number is about 20%. And uh, if you if you look at the sort of emergence of this movement as a coherent entity in the 1990s, it was really a response to what was seen as government tyranny. So you had some things come together, like uh, Clinton-era gun control. Um, you had the Ruby Ridge and Waco siege, which were really galvanizing for these movements and for figures like Timothy McVeigh, who, of course, carried out the uh, Oklahoma City bombing in 1995. And now we see um, the sort of rebirth of this movement, which really started with the Obama pe- uh, presidency and, and maybe peaked in the United States around 2011, 2012. And today, in the context of uh, the pandemic and unprecedented uh, restrictions on individual rights. Th- this is exactly the kind of thing that these groups mm-hmm. have been preparing for, warning about, and they're really focused on what they see as the erosion of constitutional rights. 
And they're right under the um, under the American Constitution, under the Second Amendment, you know, first to, to bear arms, but also within the uh, the text of, of that amendment, it calls for the uh, the right to have a well-regulated militia. So these, these groups are really focused on those rights, and I think right now with what we're seeing with the lockdowns and these um, limitations on individual rights, mm. it, it's kind of the perfect storm right now. And, and again, and in that context, what happened is, is less surprising. So is the pandemic fueling the fire? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, you know, you, you saw um, pretty explosive, explosive situations in Michigan earlier in the spring in April, I believe mm-hmm. there were armed members of the militia movement who were in the state legislature building. Um, so this is something that they're, they're really responding to. And then if you layer on what's going on in terms of the online environment, and, you know, we've seen the rapid spread of several conspiracy theories around the pandemic, but also growth in established conspiracy theories. Uh, you build on a, a very insecure environment for many citizens in terms of, you know, being worried about me- making their, their basic bills. Like this, it's just really the perfect storm for this kind of, of movement, I think, that, uh, right now. So would you would you say it's happening more often or is it on a bigger scale and it's getting busted and we're hearing about it more, we're paying more attention to it? It's getting more frequent. So, okay. um, you know, the big, the big uh, focus in the United States, especially after 9-11, was, of course, on a, a different brand of terrorism, uh, primarily associated with al-Qaeda. But in recent years, uh, Homeland Security, you know, even going back to September, the director of the FBI was coming out and saying the biggest threats we face are related to anti-government groups. So um, I, I think this is something that, you know, not all of these plots uh, get into the media and, and become public, but it's something yeah. that increasingly FBI, police and other, other government entities that are focused on terrorism or domestic terrorism in the United States are struggling to keep a lid on. So when we look at this, and, you know, it covers the gamut of, you know, far right-wing uh, extremists, far left-wing extremists, yeah. um, and, and everything in in between there, where where is this... Um, where are they getting the people from? How are they attracting these people? How are they galvanizing? Uh, well, I mean, as, as I was saying previously, you know, you've got this sort of long-standing tradition in American politics that involves having a, a, a militia-like presence, but also, I think, a, a skepticism over the role of the federal government in individuals' lives and, and on uh, infringing on state or local rights. I think that's something that's a long-standing tradition, of course, going back to the American Revolution um, in, in American politics. But, you know, right now, with the what I was saying before, sort of the spread of conspiracy theories and, you know, information and disinformation is more prevalent than ever. Uh, What we're seeing in the United States and in Canada is uh, individuals who were previously apolitical, maybe who are feeling, well, of course, they're feeling quite isolated. They have a lot of time on their hands because they may be unemployed, uh, are going online, exploring these movements and ideas. And then they turn out to say a anti-lockdown or anti-mask protest um, where they mix with these individuals who already have these established groups. And in that context, you certainly can see pretty rapid growth 
in, say, a, a militia or a so-called patriot movement. How big of a role does social media play in this? Well, I think right now it's it's, it's huge because, um, again, you know, in individuals who maybe were a little bit wary of going out and going to a meeting with these groups or um, turning out to a, a, a protest even are free to explore these ideas, to connect with people virtually, and then make the choice about whether they want to engage or not. And then this sort of disinformation that is multifaceted, it's being pushed by unfriendly states, uh, it's being pushed by these movements themselves. And where we see this period of sort of coalescing conspiracy theories coming together, vulnerable people and people who are looking for explanations for what's going on they can become engaged with this stuff and unfortunately i think that's uh that's something that we can't ignore is that the the online space can can really drive this john how big of a challenge is it for you know police fbi um to to monitor and 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 handle uh situations like this but even when we talk about you know these protests you know uh, the the face-to-face protests and the face-to-face confrontations that we've seen even here in edmonton you know edmonton police saying you know it's best just to you know separate them keep them apart than um you know then then try to break it up um you know trying to find that balance and how to police this um yeah. has got to be a challenge so what are you hearing on on the policing front with how they're dealing with this well i think in the united states i mean as, as uh, the policing agencies of the fbi and, and uh, homeland security have, have indicated that um you know this is a significant scale of a problem that they're maybe in some ways struggling keeping uh, that lid on on the problem. But, I mean, even looking at the level of sophistication that existed in this plot where they were, mm-hmm. you know, meeting in secret, there was a fair amount of planning going on. Um, you know, when I heard the, the initial details of this plot, uh, I was, um, you know, somewhat, somewhat surprised by how deep the FBI had actually gotten in to infiltrating this group and their level of sophistication because often what you will find in these groups is their level of capability is is not very good to organize these kinds of events um but uh, you know obviously what was on display in michigan was something else and uh so it's something we can't rule out we're talking about homegrown violent extremism in, in North America. We were talking about what's happening in the U.S., uh, but it's not just happening there as well. It's happening in Canada and Alberta as well. Dr. John McCoy joining me this afternoon uh, to provide some insight into it. Um, John, was it a year ago, a couple years ago, um, you led a study uh, with the Organization for the Prevention of Violence, which, um, you know, looked at several extreme movements in Alberta. What did it show you? For, for those who might be completely unaware of what is going on on this front in the province, what is happening? Well, I think, you know, what, what the report showed is, is that, you know, effectively, um, even though there's nothing unique or particular about Alberta that drives this phenomenon, we're certainly not immune to what's going on in the United States. We're certainly not immune to uh, the online space that is spreading these ideas, what you know we refer to as a sort of marketplace of extremism that's available online. 
um, and that some of these types of extremism have disproportionately affected Alberta in comparison to other areas of the country. So one of those areas would be the same movement that we're seeing in the United States, which is uh, the militia movement. But having said that, and I think this is important to keep in mind, you know, where you would count militia members in the United States in the tens of thousands mm. here in Alberta and in Canada, we would count them in the hundreds. So yeah. it's, the, the scale is much smaller. And we certainly have not, I think this is also important to note as well, because certainly something we, we don't want to do is spread alarmism, mm-hmm. is that we have not seen the kind of plots or plans or violence um on on a large scale that you would see in the united states uh especially with something like oklahoma city you know we we haven't seen anything like that or any evidence of plotting or planning from that movement here um you know of course we have what we do have are some recent incidents that have have been in the press where uh there's been violence at protests and i think Mm -hmm. that's you know largely what we've seen so far but the, this this movement is something that you know was unknown in Canada previous to 2014, 2015, and then grew in relative terms quite rapidly after that uh, after that year. Are we seeing some of these movements grow faster than others? Are some kind of just fading away or being static? Well, I, you know, I think we we were seeing. Um, you know, say the militia and the patriot movement, as as an example, uh, was in decline. Uh, from what we could see, from 2017 to 2019, there was decline in membership. The protests these individuals were trying to put together, they just weren't coming to fruition. There weren't big numbers showing up. Um, but things have really changed, and they've really changed in a matter of months, where you have uh, sort of again a sustained um, public protest movement or around lockdown measures, around masks, around public health measures. And this provides an opportunity for these kinds of groups, like they have done previously, for instance, in the Yellow Vest movement, to try to embed themselves in that in that political protest and to, to gain new energy, to gain new recruits. Um, and I think with the larger numbers we're now seeing come out, and with what we're seeing online, for instance, in the you know the growth in on the Canadian side and adhering to the same conspiracy theories that these groups are informed by, mm. that again we're in this this period of growth that may reflect what we saw in 2014, 2015, but that uh, we're, we're unsure of that at this point. So- so we talked about, you know, uh, the FBI busting up this one um, that was announced yesterday. We know there was the case from earlier this year, late last year, that involved the Manitoba man that ended up down in, in Delaware. It was Patrick Matthews. And yeah. uh, the, the FBI, uh, FBI involved with that one as well. And being able to uh, find ways to track um, uh, these people. And, and I'm wondering in Canada if we have the same um, capabilities and if we are doing um, a good enough job here or the challenges that Canadian authorities are, are facing, do we do we have what's needed to, to, to do the job or do you think that more needs to be done? 
I mean, I think it's it's fair to say that, um, you know, much like the Americans from 2001 up until relatively recently, the, the focus has been on one type of extremism mm-hmm. and one type of terrorism, and that's the, what's been associated with Al-Qaeda and like groups yeah. like ISIS and that, that sort of thing. But, it, you know, undoubtedly the federal government and uh, CSIS um, and some local police agencies have you know, made a lot of public statements about broadening their focus to look at potential threats related to domestic extremism and domestic terrorism. Mm-hmm. And we have seen, you know, some evidence of these type of events that I think are not totally unlike what's going on in the United States. So, for example, uh, the individual who showed up at Rideau Hall and trying to think about the time, mm-hmm. from, give, give or take, in August. Um, you know, this is maybe not unlike what we're seeing in the United States in the current context where some individuals are feeling like they're compelled to act based on everything that's going on right now south of the border in Canada and and with the, the pandemic. Yeah, I think there's just, you know, there's a number of people um, as well out there, a lot of people who are just worried about where this might lead to. I mean, we're seeing, you know, talk of, you know, on online of, you know, after the American election, you know, you know, is there a possibility of a civil war and, and where does that spread out into to Canada? I mean, there are people who are concerned about where this is going to lead. And look, I don't think that's totally unfair. I, I, if I came on your radio show in um, February of, of this year and, and you know, and, and heard myself speak in this way, I would have thought I was crazy. But, you know, in the, in the current context with what we're seeing, you know, we have polls coming out of the United States saying that uh, yeah. one in five individuals who identify on, you know, one side of the political spectrum or the other, either, you know, further left or further right, believe mm-hmm. that violence would be justified depending on the result of the presidential election. That's that's yeah. very, very concerning. And I think it's something that, you know, we don't, we certainly don't want that level of uh, political and social polarization in this country. And uh, I, I think it's important to keep in mind, um, uh, you know, the, the differences that we have from what's going on south of the border. Dr. McCoy, I always enjoy our conversations. Thanks for making time for us this afternoon. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jalen. Take care. All right. Take care. Uh, Dr. John McCoy joining us this afternoon from the University of Alberta, where he uh, teaches terrorism studies. He's an expert in homegrown violent extremism. If you want to read more about that report into what's happening in Alberta, you can look up uh, the Organization for the Prevention of Violence, and you can find it online.